Welcome to SelfDiscoveryRadio.com, where the orchard of wisdom is just ready for picking. We celebrate your why, the journey that you've taken that inspires someone else. We support your services. We support your story. Come and be our guest. Become a host. Be an author with us. Come and see what we've got. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Ignite Your Heart and Soul. I am your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today is Reverend Connie Havash. Oh, the stress of it all. We are living in very, very high anxiety times. And it can be really tough to get through. Every time you switch on the news, there's something else going on. You know, um, a lot of people are facing a lot of adversity right now. And how do you get through it? It's very, very hard. So this beautiful a book that she's written called Calm and Confident, Seven Spiritual Keys to Overcoming Anxiety, is what we're talking about today. And boy, do we need it. I don't care if you are the guru's guru in the world. Everybody gets some stress and we all go through a time period where we need to take that breath and just let it go. But it's not always easy to do because sometimes we're just so caught up in the anxiety and the stress and we don't, we don't know, we don't realize everything's so clamped and we don't know how to take that breath and let it go. And we also don't realize it's not just a mental thing. It's a mind, body and soul thing. We have to let our spirit get into that action of releasing that anxiety so that the whole of us can get back into the fluidity of the answers and the solutions or just facing what's coming next with a deep breath. Welcome to the show, Connie. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm delighted to be here. Now, anxiety. I think probably if you put it out there right now, number one word, word that's out there amongst everybody's lips, you know, who isn't stressed at the present moment? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people. I mean, I'm hearing about it everywhere in my counseling practice and on social media and on the TV. I mean, it's like all over the place. People are stressed out. Yeah, and, and I don't think people realize that being stressed out, how detrimental it is to their entire body. Uh, we know what stress does to, to water, the negativity as opposed to the positive crystals, we're 70% water, you know. So that means all that stress is now bombarding our psyche, our heart, our soul, our bodies. And it will take a toll over a period of time, won't it? Absolutely. One of the things I talk about in the book, uh, which I learned from my years of teaching yoga, is how stress amps up the sympathetic nervous system, which is our fight or flight response, right? So whenever we get worried or fearful or stressed or overwhelmed or anxious, that kicks into high gear. And if that's happening repetitively over a long period of time, even good stress sometimes can do yes. that, um, then our body starts to feel fatigued, exhausted, um, sometimes we run on that, you know, we think, oh, that Ooh, the yeah. energy, get all this stuff done, yeah. right? You know, I've been there, I've done that. Um, but then we start to feel this exhaustion that comes in short order. It's kind of like, you know, the sugar rush and then you get the crash in yes. 30 minutes or so. Mm -hmm. um, and that this not only takes a toll on us physically, but then obviously when it's affecting us physically, it starts to affect our emotions, mm -hmm. our mental state. And um, we may not be able to connect as readily 
and feel aligned. That's a real powerful word for me this year, alignment with our divine self, because there's so much agitation going on that it's hard to make that conscious connection. And people don't realize that that alignment is imperative. Um, we need to be in a line. We need our chakras to be in a line. We need to be in a line with all of our senses. Mm -hmm. We need to be in line with whatever divine source, uh, you know, that you're connected with, you know, with the planet, uh, with each other, with self. That alignment is our equilibrium. And if it's out of balance, that's where everything in your life starts going out of balance, like a domino effect, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, I think a lot of people don't realize that, they might be out of alignment or they think they, they suspect that they are, but things on the outside are going well. You know, there's something, there's a fairly new term that's come up recently called anxiety. Um, and this is the, the people probably like you and me, um, a lot of people watching the show that, you know, they're, they're doing pretty well in their job or their business. They're, they have a good relationship. They have, you know, their family is doing pretty well. Their health is reasonably good. Like everything looks like it's fine on the surface and inside they feel like <laughs> constantly, you know, the hamster on the treadmill. Exactly. <laughs> I'm thinking of the hamster, right? You can see me doing the wheel. Um, that they're, they're constantly trying to, or treading water sometimes I yes. talk about, like keeping up above all of the responsibilities, all of the expectations, all of their own inner judgments and inner mm. criticism of not, being good enough, doing enough, co comparing themselves with other people. And um, so if we're in that place of high functioning anxiety, we still are um, worthy of receiving support and assistance to help move through that. Just because everything looks fine on the outside doesn't mean that there isn't something that your soul is really asking for on the inside that you need that calm and you need that center and some more balance and harmony in your life so that you don't feel like a constant mm. hamster on the wheel. And the thing is, is when you are in that balance, you know, it's life is a seesaw, you know, yin and yang and everything is about fluidity and movement because we're not meant to be stagnant creatures. Um, but it is about that balance of you don't want the extreme high or the extreme low, but you do still want, you know, that movement momentum going within a certain degree up and down and once you find that balance you find that that's your key to handling anxiety doesn't mean stuff is still not going to happen it just means you're more equipped not to spike up or down when something happens to you and that you're more able to cope with it and get back to that equilibrium absolutely i was i just taught a retreat this last weekend and it was, it was called Inspiring Resolve, where rather than making a New Year's resolution that actually causes you more anxiety, because yes. you like get stressed out about, I'm supposed to, be, supposed to be losing X amount of weight, or I'm supposed to have given up chocolate, or I'm supposed to do meditation every day, and I haven't done it, now I feel bad. Yeah. You let go of that, and found what I call, I was referring to as like, your, your north on your compass. Mm. So a divine quality that helps you realign in any moment that you remember with, okay, um, I'm realigning with unconditional love right now. And just remembering that, and I told you my word for the year actually is alignment, mm -hmm. helps calm my system rather than putting more expectations and more things on my to-do list of, you know, I should be doing this now because I committed to it as my New Year's resolution. 
like, okay, I can just realign right now to my quality for the year. So if that was compassion or if that was clarity, what would that feel like in my body right now? And that immediately calms my system down. There's nothing I have to do more of in order to calm my anxiety. It's really more um, exploring being more. Yes. Connecting being is not being. the doingness. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Connecting to my being mm. and connecting to being this divine quality, allowing it to come mm. through me rather than I have to dredge it up and try and become unconditionally loving. Like, okay, open and receive and let that flow through me. And that's part of what I'm, I get to in the book is helping people connect to being in the present moment, especially my chapter on presence. It's the very first of my seven keys. Being present, you know, the gift of the presence is in the now. People don't give the now enough time. (laughs) (laughs) It's ironic. Because all we have is now. All we have is now. But no one pays attention to that. No. It's, you know, what am I meant to be doing in the next moment? Well, what about this moment? This moment, we're having this great conversation that we're sharing out with the world. Uh, And we don't understand that this gift of the now and the energy that we give the now is already seeding that next moment, that next now that you're about to step into. And so many people worry about the next moment. And I think that goes back to another huge word, expectations. That's right. And uh, you are expected to. And, you know, I have a huge amount on my plate right now because we're about to emerge into another platform. I have a huge presentation to do. I've got an awful lot of work to do. But one thing I've learned through trial and tribulation and being on that hamster wheel is that nothing gets done if I'm overstressed, overexhausted, or or just downright overwrought. No creativity is going to come to me in that space. So just do what I need to do. And when the time is ready, that creativity will flood. And that's when it's time to do it. Absolutely. When you said about expectations, it immediately brought up back in the mid 80s, I took my first personal growth workshop. And in there, this is one of the things that has stayed with me all these years. Um, they said expectations lead to disappointment. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah. it's absolutely true. And so one of the things that I write in Calm and Confident that draws from yoga philosophy is a concept called vairagya. And vairagya translates to non-attachment. Mm-hmm. So that we still, like you said, you know, take all the right actions to set up your new platform that you're doing these programs on and all the things that you need to do. But we let go of the results of that. So, you know, if it all comes together beautifully and easily, great. If there's some glitches along the way, that's just part of the process. Right. You, you and I are capable of handling that in each moment that we need to. And we trust that we'll get through and everything will come to completion. Um, so that non-attachment is really important in calming our anxiety because... Yeah. When we have those expectations and we want to make things happen a certain way or expect them to, and then what if they don't, then it, it sets off our disequilibrium. Yes. And, and, you know, in that disappointment, I mean, I'm going to go into another word here of dictation. Don't dictate how it's going to be. Right. Allow it to be. 
you know part of the beingness is being tuned into uh, and now the allowance is happening because i can feel the creativity coming through me this is now the time now the time mm. to do what i need to do because those channels are open don't dictate it's got to be this it's got to be that and i want it by this and i want it by that creative it has just left the room right because you can't work creatively under that pressure no you can't it's true and so one thing that i feel is really important one of the seven keys is that when we have anxiety come up that we don't try to shove it away or push it away or deny it or or power through it you know like oh but i've got to work on this right now i've got to be creative right now but but my anxiety is here blocking it yes the anxiety is here for a reason Mm -hmm. And it's an important reason. And so, first of all, we need to be able to learn how to feel it, actually. And I can talk more about that because most people are like, what are you talking about, Connie? I'm already feeling it. I don't want to feel it anymore. (laughs) Um, And then to be able to listen to its purpose, why it's come to you right now. So um, until we do that, we can't really move through it fully and then allow those creative juices and those channels to open in us and the flow to come through. You find that a lot of people step into that anxiety, especially when they have something they've got to do, that it it is an old repeat pattern just coming up. They're really not anxious because they're really excited about what they want to do, but the anxiety comes up and that old patterning is, is that, oh no, you won't do any good on this no you're going to fail on this oh no no you know the no no no's come in and it's all programming that's going on in the background absolutely so that's part of the key to feeling our anxiety is not thinking our anxiety yeah so we tend to really think our anxiety with all those kinds of thoughts that mm-hmm. you said can arise from our past um or you know from previous situations and uh, relationships that said things to us and then they stuck in our head like, oh, you can't do this or you're not good enough or things like that. And we're repeating those thoughts in our head and then that's perpetuating the anxiety. So one of the first things that we need to do is actually recognize that there are thoughts going on that are causing the anxiety. But in order to actually feel the anxiety, I need to go into my body. Mm-hmm. I need to be able to feel the physical sensations and not take the thoughts seriously. The thoughts come and go. The thoughts are actually not true and they're not reality. They're just, like you said, kind of old tapes or programs that we've had in there. And so then when we can actually feel the anxiety in our bodies, it has a cycle. It has a life cycle similar to a wave. Mm. The anxiety tends to um, arise. It builds, it crests like a wave, so then it gets really intense, and then it's, you know, crashes or it rolls over on itself, and then it starts to dissipate. And there's, you know, a practice that I do with my clients that helps them stay with that long enough to allow it to resolve, and then the, the peace and the clarity and the calm arise in its place. Every wave that hits the shore disappears right? It's no longer a wave. Right. So if you allow it just to breathe through it, go through it and, and just let it happen, yes. would you say that's exactly the same thing for fear? Well, yes. I mean, fear is uh, anxiety, anxiety based on fear. Right? Be- any emotion actually mm. can be worked with this way. 
I mean, so many times I come across people who have, oh, no, I can't do that, you know, fear. Yes, that brings up the anxiety because of the fear. And, but what are you afraid of? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I just, that's just, you know, fear, you know. And I think people have been conditioned to be fearful. And they don't realize they're walking along with that conditioning. And that if they stop and break it down, they'll actually realize, what are you afraid of? There is nothing to be afraid of. This is something to be excited of. But again, going back to that conditioning uh, that brings about that anxiety because you've been conditioned to be fearful. Absolutely. Well, there's, there's essentially two kinds of fear. You know, there's known fear and there's unknown fear. Mm-hmm. So, so known fear is, you know, if you're out on a trail in Alaska <laughs> and a grizzly bear shows up in front of you, you've got a known fear. Yeah. <laughs> you better do something. You know, you I, don't I, go I over and hug it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think I heard the other day the right thing to do with a grizzly bear is to lay down and play dead. But whatever, whatever you know, whereas a brown bear, I think you, I don't know. And you anyway, you've got to take down, some action. Please, yeah. Yeah. Right? If a tiger is running after you, you better hightail it out there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> There's something definitely that could yes. be a threat to your life. But the majority of the time, mm-hmm. our fears are not known fears. Right. They're unknown fears that we're creating, that we're fabricating, usually based on our past or anticipation of something in the future. And they're not happening right now. But we experience the fear right now because we're perpetuating it with our thoughts, which I know a lot of people know. They're oh, probably yeah. watching this and go, okay, yeah. I know that. Yeah. Hey, so everybody's the thing gone is, through that. <laughs> sure. We, we might know it, but... Are we actually doing something to change that pattern in ourselves so that we're not under the effect of those fearful thoughts? And so that we have, so that we recognize that there are divine self, which is the witness that witnesses our thinking, mm-hmm. our emotions, our sensations, has the capacity to be able to say, oh, thoughts, that's not my reality right now. That's not happening right now. Let me let this fear move through my body and breathe through it and feel the sensations and then see what emerges on the other side of that. So it's really using our inner witness from our divine self to help unplug those fears. I think it's a different way of looking at anticipation, isn't it? If you look at anticipation Mm -hmm. from a fear point of view, it will cripple you. If you look at it from a creative and exciting point of view, it creates a totally different picture. Absolutely. We could be having thoughts about, how wonderful it's going to be when you're on, you have your new program platform set up, right, exactly. how, how, you know, envisioning all the great things when someone has their new business set up or when I'm, you know, in a relationship with someone that I really love or when um, I feel connected to the divine and deeply peaceful. And, you know, if people work with some of the spiritual principles that are very popular right now. That's a big part of creating what you want in your life. Mm-hmm. is being able to envision those positive things. But, you know, there's, while we're on that subject, um, spiritual people, I think, have a higher propensity to experiencing anxiety. In fact, there was actually a study done in the UK a few years ago. I think it was 2007. I have it quoted in my book um, that shows that people who are spiritually oriented have a higher prevalence for anxiety. Yes. And I I think that's because we are sensitive beings and we care, right? So when we hear about, you know, um, you know, a a tragedy, an earthquake that happens in South America, or um, I remember 
many years ago, I used to follow what was happening with wolves in the national parks here in the United States. And when I'd hear of, you know, a killing of wolves, I would just burst into uncontrollable sobbing. Um, we are sensitive beings. We deeply care. We can pick up on, on other people's emotions. Mm -hmm. And so it's ex extra important yes. for us on the spiritual path to be caring for ourselves and having healthy energetic boundaries, which is something I talk about in the book, to be able to respond to the suffering in the world or be able to connect to others, but not take it on and run it through our own bodies. I am such a victim of that. That was mm -hmm. me <clears throat> in neon lights. Um, it was constantly caring, caring, taking everything on. Yes. Consequently, I became depleted in every way, emotionally, spiritually, physically, flattened out. And you know, I had to learn to put some boundaries around me, vibrational boundaries around me. It doesn't mean I don't acknowledge what's going on. It right. means that I have to be careful how much emotion I spend towards it. And there are days that I have to go, I can't go there today. I have to bypass that. Right. I have to bypass that. Right. My sensitivity is too high today. I'll get sucked in. And I'm not productive for that person if I am in the bucket of tears. But if I can look up the situation and send that wonderful loving light, that loving energy mm -hmm. to resolve their problem, resolve this, you know, their, the situation that they're in, that energy is going to be so much more productive than me getting worked up about it. So I think it's, it's a very hard lesson to learn for sensitives as we're known yes. <laughs> um, to find that balance again, back to the balance, back to that equilibrium and knowing yourself. And I'll have days where I'm really high. I'm picking up on that vibration globally, very, mm. very high. And it's, Oh, this is a nurture day. I have to nurture myself. Otherwise, it, you know, it's too easy to go off the rails. So I think this is something as a sense that we want people to be in tuned we want people to become more Absolutely. consciously sensitive, but know your balance. We don't want you to go off the rails. <laughs> right. <it'd> be fun. <laughs> well, it's not just with world events. I mean, you know, no. anxiety provoking these days. Yes. Um, but with people around us. So mm -hmm. a lot of us tend to be naturally empathic and we pick up and absorb other people's emotions and energies. Yes either consciously or unconsciously. And sometimes we think that's our way of showing we care is by kind of taking it on and taking it in. But then we recognize, oh my gosh, then my whole system gets <laughs> out of whack and, and my anxiety goes up. So one of the things I talk about in the book is, you know, we have, say, a dwelling that we live in, a house, an apartment, whatever it might be. And you might imagine that your house is a symbol for yourself. Mm -hmm. So you have a house and you have a front door, right? And you don't want anybody off the street walking in your front door, going over to your refrigerator, <laughs> taking out food and starting to eat, you know, laying down in your bed. Like you don't, right? You don't want that. Intrusion. Yes. Intrusion. <laughs> not, even, not even like good friends would you no. necessarily no. want to come in and do that. This is your right? space. Yes. Right. So what I suggest to people is to think of their self as not just, not even just that front door, because having a stranger come up to your front door is uncomfortable in itself too. So thinking of our energetic boundaries, which I think, you know, two to three feet around us is a healthy space. That's like your front yard when mm -hmm. you have a gate out at the front yard. And when a stranger comes up or even someone that you know, 
you can go out and meet them at the gate and connect with them there. And you can acknowledge them there and, and connect with them there. And if you want, you can invite them into your front yard, to your porch, sit down, have some tea. If there's someone you're extremely close to, you might consider them letting them in the door, but you don't have to. You can connect with them very substantially out in your front yard or even yeah. at the gate. And that's like meeting them at the edge of your energy field. Right. So it's like your energetic skin and you'll pick up on everything out there. You'll still be able to feel what's going on in the world. You'll still be able to pick up on, oh, they're feeling sad. They're feeling happy, but you won't be digesting it through your energetic and physical body. Where, where it's so anybody. hard to get rid of afterwards. So, yeah, I, I mean, exactly. physically, metaphorically, I do that now. You know, I go to meet people rather than having people into exactly. my sanctuary. I have to have a space in my silence, in, in my space, in my now, where this is my vibration that I'm in. And that's where I then get it back into my equilibrium, back into my balance. And if you've got people around you that are static, uh, it has, it's, it's like trying to find your peace and somebody's playing the, you know, the drums. Um, it, it's, yeah. You've got to honor yourself. You're no good to anyone else if you're frazzled or if you're out of alignment or if you're stressed out. So, you, first and foremost, the importance of yourself is this is the vehicle, this is the gift that you were given, this is your instrument, and if it is finely tuned and, fi and working properly, you're more able to, to play that music that becomes invitational to everyone else. But if the strings are broken because you're not paying attention, you know, the, the piano is out of key, uh, you know, your music isn't going to resonate out there. So we, we have to honor the vessel that we're in. Uh, because this is what we were given here at this time and space to use to do our work with. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you're talking about an instrument. We're all part of a symphony. <laughs> Every <laughs> instrument needs to be there to create that beautiful music. Exactly. But one of the things that um, that was bringing up is that, you know, a lot of people have said to me when I start to work with them on energetic boundaries, but, you know, then Connie, I won't, I won't be able to connect with people anymore. It'll make me feel so distant. Actually, what I point out to people is that if, if our energy field fills around us and we have a clear energetic edge, it's like our energetic skin that can feel what's going on out there, you will pick up on what's going on sooner yes. than when it has to come all the way in here in order for you to pick up on it. And so we'll actually be more attuned by having this clear energy field. It's like radar, right? Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. if, you, if you're a submarine and you're mm -hmm. out in the ocean and there's, you know, the other submarines out there, if you don't have radar to pick up on it out there, you're Rush not going to find out. <laughs> you're not going to find out until the torpedo is in, right? <laughs> exactly. So we want to have that energetic field out there so that we are attuned to what's going on. And then we'll know how to respond better both in our own self-care and also how we can be more of service to that other person because it won't be crashing into us like a wave. But it brings up also that in the book, I talk about the waves and that if you've ever, have you ever swam in the ocean, Sarah? Oh yeah. Okay. So when you first learn to swim in the ocean, um, if you made the mistake, I did, I just stood there and then the wave hits me and what happens? <laughs> yeah. You're like, right. And you're like pummeled. Right. Turned, I remember one time I was turned over so much in the, the, the sand and the ocean that I thought I couldn't breathe. I thought I was going to die. So you don't want to just sit there and get pummeled by everything. Right. right. So 
what do we do when we swim in the ocean when we're going out there you have to dive into the waves you have to go up to meet them and go in and so that's go in like, to go through exactly and that's going back to working with the waves of emotion mm. that if you just let them you know pummel you over and over they're not going to really dissipate and you're not going to feel that shift from anxiety to calm and confident we dive into them mindfully with the skill of knowing how to swim we come up on the other side and we see that the wave has moved on now right you know you know going back to the boundary um elevation you know it's we want people to, to raise that frequency, you know, raise that energy signature. And you can do that when you have those parameters around you. You can raise it up really high and you can astral travel, you can go off and do whatever you mm -hmm. want. But wherever you meet people at that vibration, that is your invitation that you're setting out. You're inviting people to rise up to that parameter level of vibration to communicate with you. Mm -hmm. It's not an invitation to the piranhas that are just wanting to That's suck right. the energy out of you because they can't reach you at that higher level. They're going to unfortunately yeah. hit the people that are climbing that ladder. So people have to be aware of, of who's around them at all times. But when you're at that certain vibrational level, you're inviting people to meet you and resonate with you at that level. Yes. And you will actually then find that energy begets energy and it creates its own beautiful ripple effect out there. But there's a metaphor that I use of a ruler. And you're generally your six to 12 inches of people that have stepped into that higher vibration mm -hmm. are pretty secure. They're at that level where they know how to manage it. Their invitation is out there. They're not going to get sucked back in. Your four to sixes are those that are willingly stepping up into that consciousness, stepping up into that higher vibration. Your one to threes are the piranhas. Those piranhas are going to go after the four to sixes. Because they know that they can suck that energy out of them very easily. They can't reach the, the, the sixes and above. Mm. So when you are what I call an energetic recovery um, and you are stepping into this higher consciousness, it is a very, very particular time of choosing who is around you. And there are certain people that do not want to see you find the harmony, find the good vibration, find the love, find that uh, equilibrium because they are in such chaos that right. they don't want you to find it. So it is, it is a time where you have to be willing to shut yourself off from loved ones, from people, from everything and just pull that energy and that love into yourself and at least get you up to that level where you are safe. Otherwise, you're just energy is going to get sucked down all the time by that negativity of people that are unwilling to take the journey. That's very true. And what that brings up for me is um, in my embodiment chapter, the importance, the energy boundaries are in that chapter, but also the importance of being grounded and centered. Uh -huh. So connecting to the earth and finding your center, your alignment of your center within, because that helps us develop that resilience of being in that higher vibration and not getting pulled down by what you're calling the piranhas around us, right? And you know, the piranha energy isn't just people. It's, just, it's tapping into the, all that static negative vibration that the right. earth is carrying from what we keep putting it back into it. So, you know, I think the earth is pretty saturated right now. And it is time we raise our vibration and start putting some love back in. 
Absolutely. Uh, and an equal in, in balancing it out, which I think is really important. I think another thing that really we have to emphasize on is that you're there to help people with the book, with, with your, your teachings, to find this within themselves. You've got the tools and the guidance, mm -hmm. but they have to have the responsibility to apply it, to Absolutely. walk it. And I think this is something people, uh, that they've most of their lives given their lives up to institutions, to society's dictations, to religions, where they've dictated everything you do. We're now saying take your life back and be at one with self from the inside out, not the outside in. But that requires you taking action. And I call it actionism. Yeah. Stepping into your actionism of applying these tools, applying this, be willing to go through one wave, two waves, three waves, whatever it takes to raising up that vibration. Because ultimately this is what you're here to do and when you get to that resonance of that vibration and that instrument you now know where to take it but in that self-discovery of and taking back your own empowerment and becoming your beingness you have got to be willing to apply these actions to you no one else is going to do it for you you're not doing it for them you're just showing them how to do it for themselves that's true and that we are empowered. We have everything we need within us. Yes. And we are empowered to be able to create those changes that we want. Um, and that's why, you know, one thing that people who have a lot of anxiety, they might hear something like that and go, oh no, more than I have to do and I'm overwhelmed <laughs> and I can't do it and it's too much. And what I want to say is that I wrote the book to ease those fears. Right. That it's simple. It's accessible. It's things that you, some of which you might already know, some of which are going to be new, but are easily applied in baby steps and that we're not expected to be perfect. Part of what creates our anxiety and perpetuates it is expecting us, okay, now I've learned this new tool and now I should be able to do it perfectly. Right. And if I am I'm not applying it perfectly, then I'm messed the up. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I, I remind my readers over and over, like, you know, this doesn't need to be applied perfectly. Take small steps. Take your time with this. You can do this. And I try to give them real simple, easy, accessible things to do that can make a difference in bringing more of that calm, confident feeling that we long for. I think it's also looking at the word perfection. Who imposed perfection upon us? And when we actually understand our uniqueness is in our imperfections, that's when we actually understand what perfection is. It's in our imperfections. Because that's well, what is unique. <laughs> yeah, I actually believe that there's really no such thing as perfection or mm -hmm. imperfection because it's a human-created idea. Yeah, um, it is. You know, we, we think that maybe, um, say, for example, God is perfect. Um, but that's according to our limited definition of what, what perfect is, right? Mm -hmm. like God is infinite and in, in all that is, so how could it possibly be limited to any idea that yes. we have of what spirit or the divine is even if we think perfect is that idea. So um, the divine transcends perfection and imperfection, and we are neither perfect nor imperfect. We are beings. But and it's also the application of what we perceive is perfection, right? right? You know, and um, if 
you know, a God and that source of energy, it, it doesn't know the words perfect or imperfect or, uh, right. or right or wrong. It just simply is an energy, mm -hmm. a, a beautiful divine source energy of wisdom and knowledge that comes through us when we're ready to receive it. But it's in our application of that knowledge that really Absolutely. decides, you know, the outcome of it. They're going, going back to our responsibility that we're given this beautiful divine knowledge. What are you going to do with it? How is it going to help others? Right. Because we're here to serve, not servitude, which we have become. We've become very much servants of a doctrine. But mm. it is about service to one another. And But first serve yourself so that your right. cup can run over, so that you have something to serve to another. Right. So allow ourselves to be filled yes. first. And then... As we're filled, then there begins to be what Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith talks about as the overflow. Yes. You know, if we are continually filling ourselves, then we'll eventually have more than enough an overflow to share with others. And it's in that exuberance of sharing, that exuberance and that beautiful divine energy of seeing other people resonate out you know pick up that loving vibration mm -hmm. and and seeing them rise up to it um is just absolutely wonderful because little light bulbs go on in them oh gosh this is what it feels like and you know and i always say that inspiration is an invitation um you're inspiring mm -hmm. them and inviting them to step into their own journey you too can feel like this you too can feel this energy within you if you're willing to take the journey. Absolutely. Um, what I was reflecting on is that when we open ourselves to the flow coming through us and filling our energy field, it's not really, sometimes what, what causes our anxiety is thinking, I have to do this. Mm. I have to, so I, me, yeah. and from our own personal energy, which we know is limited and can be depleted. But when we open ourselves to infinite source yeah. and allow that energy to flow through us in service to others, then we're being filled in the process. We're not depleting our personal energy. And then there's an infinite source coming through that can serve others. Again, so then, the it, then, it is, then it is joyful. Yes. You know? It's not like I'm draining myself by giving no. my last little drop. Mm -hmm. No, Which, I'm filled yeah. and now I'm <laughs> overflowing and this flow is coming through me to everyone. And, th and that is it's just, it, it, it's just the wonderful experience. I call that the knowingness, channeling the knowingness, you know, knowing what you need to know when you need to know it and knowing what to do, you know, and knowing where to be. You know, uh, how many people say, you know, I don't know, how did I get here? How did I do this? It's just that you allowed all that channel and, and you are where you're meant to be at that moment doing what you're meant to be doing because you didn't resist. You know, resistance is futile. You know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and the fluidity of energy, fluidity of air, the fluidity of water, um, energy constantly has to be in, in flow. When it's restricted and it becomes stagnant that's when it starts to ferment and breaks things down so our chi our love which is a loving energy and everything about us has to flow constantly be in movement yes you you talked about resistance there and that's one of the things that continues to perpetuate our fears and our worries and anxieties, <laughs> anxieties. Pushing off things trying to 
resist them. And so, mm-hmm. you know, and you use the word allow. I love the word allow yes. or let, yes. you know, allowing it to flow and move through us is so much more um, calming. It's more empowering. Um, you talked earlier about um, taking action. Mm-hmm. And I have a chapter about empowering action in there. And that that action can flow through us. It doesn't have to be something we try to force or make right. happen. And, and that there's actually um, another kind of action that is, is a non-action that I talk about in the book. Um, it's from Taoist philosophy. It's, um, it's the action that arises of itself. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, you know, some of us who have a lot of anxiety or stress or worry, or like we were talking about earlier, um, comparison, we we're comparing ourselves and then trying to keep up with other people are constantly acting and doing. Yeah. And so if that is our thing that we know is perpetuating the anxiety, then the action that might be needed is to stop and be still and wait until something shows up and comes to us. Yes. Allowing again. Allowing. Exactly. I think a lot of people feel that they need to be doing something right now in order to get the answers. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that the answers come in stillness and in silence. That's, That's when you are inviting and allowing it to come to you. You know, there's a great little thing that's been going around Facebook and it's somebody cross-legged on, on the ground. Hurry up meditation. I don't have all day. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the thing is, Silence speaks volumes to us, doesn't it? Being still is something that is just so active. <laughs> and it's, I think people... It's alive. It is, it yeah. is. And it's like sometimes just being still and being silent, being in that moment, being in nothingness, which I love, being in mm. nothingness. The realization of what you need to know, the clarity and what you get from that is just absolutely divine. And we don't allow ourselves enough time again to be in that stillness, to be in that silence, because we're oversaturated. So we need to start taking things out of our outside life so that we allow our inside life to have its moment, have its peace, have its silence, to understand its clarity to what to bring into our outside. Yes, I think you're absolutely right, Sarah, that we are oversaturated. We're inundated. In fact, I heard yesterday that every day we're we're inundated with something like a thousand or ten thousand advertisements. Mm, I mean, subliminal and all sorts. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All around us, you know, on social media. We may not be looking at them, but they're coming in um, mm-hmm. to our peripheral vision. And so um, we are completely oversaturated with stuff outside of us and then with our own thoughts inside. And I think you know, when you talk about nothingness, and, and that just brings up so much joy for me. Um, but most people who are starting on the spiritual path might be beginning meditators. The idea of nothingness is pretty darn scary, yeah. right? They, they're like, what? Because it's that, again, fear of the unknown, that I'm not, I don't know what nothingness is like. And, and nothingness always seems like, you know, that dark night and what's around the corner, right? The black rather than, <laughs> yeah, rather than that nothingness being that peace, and that spaciousness and that infinite possibilities and potential and that joy and calm and bliss to arise. Um, and so in the beginning, 
uh, it's hard for people to understand that, but that as they work with some of the tools in the book, with learning to become present and starting to feel how much the body calms when we're yes. more present rather than in all of this chatter and all of this stuff that's not here right now, then it that nothingness, that emptiness, that presence, that beingness um, begins to emerge and they can feel how joyful and how much ease there is in that. I remember a client of mine who had bipolar um, was a little reluctant. They definitely did not want the lows, but they were a little reluctant to let go of the highs. Um, and they didn't understand that what the concept of contentment was because contentment, when you have those highs, sounds kind of boring. Yeah, I know. But, mm -hmm. but the truth is, and I'm sure you know this, Sarah, that is that contentment is so much more rich and rewarding than those, those high highs because oh, those highs are yes. agitating. Yes. They're exhausting. And draining. They, yeah, Absolute. it's really draining. Absolutely. Right? The piranhaing. <laughs> right. Which in yoga we call santosha. It's one of my favorite Sanskrit words, santosha. Doesn't it sound like contentment? Mm -hmm. um, is is just feels like this tremendous sense of well-being. Yeah. And there's this joy in it that's really grounded. Um, and it's not based on anything that has to happen or should have happened or that I have to do something. It's just being there's this freedom in just being here in this moment and feeling that joy you know that's again the beingness you know everybody's doing mm -hmm. we're asking you to be and you can't be by doing oxymoron because we're also asking you to do things to become a bee and are very very conflicting but the beingness that we're asking you to become is already within you or asking you to do is certain things that allows your beingness to come out. And you know, like sometimes just looking at a blank canvas and seeing nothing but the blank canvas, allowing the body to relax, allowing the mind to relax. So initially, the body's going to be tense, the mind's going to be chattering, it's going to imagine all sorts of things. The more you stay in that space, in that breathing, in that silence, all of a sudden, the picture starts to arise. Again, what you need to know when you need to know it. And that clarity starts to dance before you. But you can't see that clarity on that blank slate unless you reach that certain state of beingness. So all you're doing with your book and with your teachings is helping people go in and allow themselves to become what they're meant to be and step into that beautiful serenity that lies within them, that peace that lies within them, that, uh, that calling that lies within them. And we all want to be there, even though we don't know it. And also when we do get there, we truly understand the gift of it. Mm -hmm. But every single one of us that got here, got going through a number of waves and a, Absolutely. a few sand sucks Absolutely. to get there, right? So, <laughs> you know, you didn't just suddenly one day wake up and go, oh, I am. You know, right. it is, you went through the process as well. And that's why you can write about it and you can teach about it because you've gone through the process yourself. Right. And my favorite saying that I say to all my clients is trust the process. Yes. 
that process is what, and, and the process itself is what is magical. We tend to think we want to get to this end point of right. like enlightenment or awakening, right? Like the end of the end of the book instead of the chapters. And then we'll be yeah. done. Yeah. I mean, do we really want to be done? I mean, no. we want to just, but, but the process itself is the awakening. That's yes. where the beauty is. That's where the joy is. Not in getting to some end yeah. point. Every moment, like you say, the now, right? All the nows along the way, that's where the aliveness is, the richness of life. That's where we can feel calm and confident, not when I get to be awakened and enlightened, then I'll feel peaceful and calm and all that. It's like, right now, you can. And in the next moment, you can. And it may not, it may not every single moment, that's okay. Right, you yes. You can return to it again and again. We have that capacity. You know, we looked upon ourselves as our own book of life. <clears throat> and each part of our lives is a chapter. And for some people, their lives are a few books or many volumes. Yeah. And for some people, you know, you're just maybe 10 chapters and that's it. That's okay. It's what you're putting in each of those chapters. It's not about turn to the end of the book and what does it say at the end. That means nothing yeah. if you don't know the story, if you don't know each chapter. The one of the things about doing these shows and interviewing people that have had, you know, I say ordinary people having extraordinary experiences and some people with what they've gone through, I just don't know how they didn't go through waves. They went through to tsunamis and they came out the other side and the courage and the strength that it took for them to get there, the, the fight for, for the love that they knew that lay within them, who they are today, and what they're sharing with the world is an extraordinary gift. But no matter what was thrown at them, they were willing to go through each chapter, through each wave and come out the other end and be grateful for the lessons that they, were, that they learned. Be grateful for the tools that they learned because it's now become their teachings, now mm -hmm. become their calling where they now can help other people go through the waves or if, so be it, you know, tsunami that comes into their lives. But you look at these people in that inspiration and that invitation is if they can weather that storm, why can I not weather the waves that lie in front of me? Absolutely. And we all have those waves, right? We yes. all have weathered yeah. challenges and difficulties and each of our stories matter. I like to say that our ordinariness is the blessing. Yes. You know, we're, we're all people, unfortunately, in this era, there's this desire for the 15 minutes of fame and mm. to, to somehow stand out and be, be extraordinary. But I think what, what we are, our ordinariness of our vulnerability and our, the waves we've gone through and our story is the real gift. And is the extraordinariness. You know, the fact that you place that value upon yourself, you know. <laughs> right, you know. But that's, um, that's, that's what inspires other people to walk through their own path in their yeah. own ways. So it I'm is. And, and then, uh, I, I know you see this right now, an awful lot of people waking up to the consciousness. You know, it's like, why do I feel this way? Why am I sensitive? Why, what's going on? And it's the understanding of what's going on, but the how do I go through the wave now? 
How do I get through to the other side? How do I discover my purpose? I had somebody the other day that did everything. She went to gurus, to spiritualists. She took every program there was to discover her purpose. And everybody said the same thing. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not feeling it. This can't be my purpose. I'm not feeling it. And the operative word was, she wasn't feeling it. She was trying to discover it. Right. Right? with it. And you, you have to be willing to feel, to understand what is. Right. Exactly. It's not this needing to go out and do and see another guru, read another book. See, I mean, you know, you might, but that the real answer isn't in all of that. Those might be part of what help you come back yes. to being right here, right now with your own divine self. We are all divine beings, as you well know yeah and um it's letting go of the perceptions that we aren't and the things that block us from seeing that in ourselves that's that's the process for us you know when you when you're pointing a finger at someone there's three fingers pointing back at you right so even if you if you're looking at a book that's helping you it's helping you with the three fingers to look inside you know all you're doing is is you're opening doors for them and yet you're just saying, you know, when you open this door, have this tool ready, <laughs> you know, have this light with, with you. And you're filling people's backpack of life. So as they go along the journey, ah, oh, you know what? That's chapter four. Right. Bring out, bring out the tools for chapter four. Exactly. I'm at this stage in life. So again, they've got to walk it. But what you're doing is preparing them to Absolutely. face it along the way. Right. When you have these tools, mm-hmm. and I, I like to have a, a variety of tools in my backpack mm-hmm. to be able to deal with whatever situation arises, yes. um, then, then you can feel more resilient and more calm in the face of whatever wave comes at you. Because like, I know how to, I know how to swim now. Right. Swim in the ocean. Yes. This is a bigger wave, so it's a deeper breath to go through. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Waiting to exhale on the other side. Right. And to trust, you know, that, that moment of diving in yes. um, makes me think of my, the seventh key, which is surrender. Mm. It's like you've done everything that you need to do. You know what you're doing. You know what to apply. And at a certain point, you, you just take that leap and you surrender and you trust. And I think we were talking about trust earlier. Yes. Something when we think of it earlier, um, that that's one of the hardest things to do for people who have anxiety, right? Is to trust. But we can develop that like a muscle. We can yeah. practice it in baby steps. That if I can learn to sit down here and be in this moment for you know thirty seconds, and trust that everything in these thirty seconds is really just fine, I can build on that then. Right. Um, and so there's practices in the book to help build that trust and that surrender to something greater than us, to the divine and allowing it to carry us and flow through us. The big word allow again, and which I'm going to go back to right now is I remember being, I think eight months pregnant with my first child and kind of looking at it and go, I don't know if I can have you. I don't know if I'm ready for this. Can I even go through the labor? Going through the, can you go away? Right. You know, going through that whole thing and then realizing, oh no, you're here to stay. And you, you know, you're, you've got to come out one way or the other. There is no going back. And, and the, the understand, you know, the whole fear thing that you go through. Can I, will I be a good mother? Can I do this? And, you know, I, I had horrific um, labors, you know, I just was one of those people Me that, too. you know, you know, and yeah. it's, uh, and the second you hold that child, 
everything that you've just gone through, that whole wave that you thought, I can't get through it, I'm suffocating, blah, 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 blah. That child has handed into your arms. And that download of understanding, that download of love, as those little eyes look up at you in trust, just changes your life so completely. Absolutely. So why can we not give birth to ourselves and hold ourselves in such a way and look at ourselves in the eyes and see all those beautiful possibilities and allow ourselves to be part of that discovery. I mean, we well, can. The, yeah, the spiritual path is yes. the birthing process, right? Yes. It, yes. It, it is. And we are giving birth to ourselves and to know and trust that there is that divine, completely lovable and love within us that is coming through as we're allowed. And so those painful times in our lives or the times when we have anxiety is spirit calling us in another contraction, right? And saying, yes. okay, <laughs> you know what? You, your, your true self is emerging more and more. And this anxiety that's arisen is simply a, a marker here to show you one other layer that you can um, explore to release so that you can birth more fully as your true self. And then when you are this beautiful newborn, born, suddenly there is that blank canvas in front of you. It's no longer the conditioning, the programming, the expectations that you've left behind. You are this blank slate in a divine, beautiful, energetic presence that's never alone. And now that paintbrush is in your hand. And when with the divine presence in sync with your presence, you now know what picture to really paint and you allow. It's a beautiful experience, isn't it? Absolutely, it is. It's funny though that you bring up about childbirth because I, that's part of my own story in the book about how I worked through anxiety because becoming a mother and going mm. through childbirth and then the whole initiation into motherhood because you don't go back. No. <laughs> you on, you're a mother and it doesn't stop when they're 18. No, um, all 36. Exactly, exactly. So um, that, that's, um, that brought up a lot of the anxiety that was hidden um, in my unconscious. Mm -hmm. um, now I'm responsible for this child. Yes. And um, so that was a tremendous initiation for me to go to a far deeper level of myself and uncover um, these places where I was limiting myself from becoming my own true divine essence from these unconscious fears and worries that were brought out by having my daughter. So in the book, I talk about some of my process in working through that and that a, a lot of these keys in the book emerge from my own process and then sharing that with my students and clients. And there's also a little bit of a danger once you have that child too. You pour everything into that child and you forget to reserve some for yourself. Right. It's, true. <laughs> it's true. Balance again, balance. Yes. <laughs> and I think every mother goes through that at some point. And then it's like, well, hang on. I've given you everything and I've lost my identity. I've lost who I am, you know. And I think, you know, for a while <clears throat> I had three of them, you know, balancing three of them, neighborhood kids, open house as well. And I did lose myself there in motherhood. Mm -hmm. And it was, who is Sarah? Sarah was still the counselor. Sarah was still the coach. Sarah was still this and that. But it, it was, who was Sarah inside? I'd lost myself for a while. 
and I was too busy doing and being for everyone else. I'd forgotten how to be for myself. And I mean, it goes back to that, you know, importance of self, not self-importance, which is ego derived, right. but importance right. of self that I've learned to be a better mother and a more honest mother by becoming myself. What I'm this vessel of this being is here to do on this planet in this lifetime than trying to be what everybody else wanted me to be at the sacrifice of myself. Mm -hmm. Yes. Our self becoming our self with a capital S. Yes. This is our small s self, which might be defined by being a mother or yes. being a yoga teacher or being, you know, female or male or whatever it is that becoming our divine self is, is transcends. It includes all of that, but it transcends all that. We're far more than that. Yes. Yeah. And don't sell yourself short. And I, there was um, at the Golden Globes the other day. Oh, what's her name? It's right there. A blonde actress, short blonde hair. And she was really surprised she'd won. And I've got her name right here and I can't see it. But she went up there and she talked about, you know, that when, you know, becoming a mother or a woman or a wife, that you can be it all. You can have a career. You can seek you know, stuff for yourself as well as being that it isn't one or the other. And, uh, I, you know, so many women related to that because we've been seeking that permission, mm. right? And the only permission that we need to give is to ourselves. Nobody else needs to give us that permission. Absolutely. And what I would say about um, being at all is that I, I believe we can be at all as long as we're not attached to any of it. As right. long as we're allowing it to flow. Yes. And in this moment, here I am um, being mother. And in this moment, I'm sitting down and being writer. And in this moment, I'm being speaker. Or in this moment, I'm being a good friend. But that we're not identifying with any of those roles. We're letting ourselves flow through them. And we're letting the divine flow through us to meet those different roles that we've chosen. You're branching off, you know, you, you've become the tree that's firmly rooted. You're very strong in your core, but you have many branches, mm. right? And sometimes you're this branch, sometimes you're that branch, but you're all part of the same core. Mm -hmm. Another way to say it. Absolutely. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you have this wonderful book that is out there. And what about um, the programs and the courses and, and what else that you do out there? What yeah. else do you offer? So, people? you know, a lot of people, um, some of my early readers have read the book and said, oh, you know, I'd like to be able to do this kind of work with you. Mm -hmm. um, I've created a program based on the book. It's an intensive three-month program with a small group of people. And then I work with them weekly and then throughout the week um, in, a, in a group format so that they can really make some big transformations in that three month period of time when you have that ongoing support and feedback and assistance and, you know, realigning with the yeah. divine essence within and shifting and moving through those um, fearful, anxious, worrisome emotions. Mm -hmm. So that program I'm going to be starting up um, in the next few months and people can make an appointment with me for a free call. We can talk about it and, find out what they're working on, what their anxiety is presenting with them these days and what their goals are, what, where they would like to be and to see if it's right for them. And, you know, um, reading the book and comprehending it on one level, then going through the program and actually then opening it up 
and cracking it open to a much deeper level. You know, first you have to have the people of free will to step up and say, I am allowing you to help me, you know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, help me understand this so I can immerse it into my own life. Again, that goes back to your participation, you know, responsibility of your own action. But by having some, um, somebody there to guide you through each of those chapters of your own life, at the end of the book, they've now got wings, go fly, right? And that's right. what you're wanting them to do. It's like when the kids grow up and leave the nest, you know, you're never going to stop worrying about them or this or that, but you've prepared them for the life out there. So this journey that you're taking with people right now, using your book and the various chapters and, and wisdom in there, it's helping them to quote, go it out on their own. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, they'll have all the tools in the book and they can, take that with them and apply that for, for anyone who feels like, gosh, I'd really like to have someone help me with applying these. Things. Yes. Help me learn how to work with my anxiety like a wave and, you know, help me learn to be able to surrender and trust and keep me accountable week to week. Yeah. Um, then the program would probably be a great fit for them. Right. And, you know, for some people, it might be just picking up the book and reading mm -hmm. the book and then right. going through the process of their own or maybe getting take that on their own and take that off and work with that. You're right. Or even forming, right a, forming a book club where each yeah. one of you read a chapter and what have we done in this chapter and supporting one another. You know, I think the thing, some people are solo people and want to do it on their own. Some people need a group and, you know, whatever works for you, just do it. Absolutely. So that's why I want to make the, the book available to as many people as possible. They can take that on their own and they can take that to their communities. I think it'd be great to start book clubs around yes. it where people are working with these practices together. And for people who want you know, that extra focused yes. work with me, then that's available too. And the thing we have to actually understand is that we are a village and we do need to support one another. We do not know all of the answers. There's four key personalities. We're generally one or two that guides us. And for those other perceptions, we need other people to see it from a different point of view for you to get the whole picture. And so this is why sharing it and go, oh, you know, I haven't looked at it from that point of view before. And that's the whole point in discussing it and sharing it is being able to see it from all angles and how it applies to your life. Because sometimes it's that missing piece and you just don't quite get it. That other perception is one that helps you understand it in a clearer picture. Absolutely. So having other people and their feedback and mm -hmm. then hearing their experience and working with things, it makes a tremendous difference. I think group work is tremendously powerful. It's why I love leading groups. I love leading retreats and teaching workshops and things like that because everyone else adds to the richness of it and co-creates something very synergistic. It's like a beautiful buffet. Everybody's dish, yeah. right? Just, you know, sample of this and a sample of that. Wah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> everyone, and everyone has gifts. Everyone has yes. things to offer. Yes. And, and you never know what button it's going to switch on in you. Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, whoa, I just had a moment, you know, and that's, that's what we're looking for is like those little epiphanies that happen from somebody else's point of view or somebody else's yeah. energy, you know, somebody else's growth, you know, it's, um, it, it's really exciting. And I think that we've got to get out of this, that we, you know, we are responsible for allowing and, and doing it ourselves, but we've got to get out of things that we're only on our own. You know, we need our community. Right. Us. We need other people around us for that encouragement, for that clarity, for that um, celebration. And, you know, it's essential because that's part of 
going back to the orchestra, right? You are that instrument. Other people playing their instruments, that music that you create out of that synergy is absolutely wonderful. Absolutely. And that's, um, you know, we all need community. And I think that it's harder for people to find community nowadays. I know where I live in Silicon Valley, it is a challenge for people to find, especially like spiritual community, conscious community, um, partially because people are too busy and they're spending too long commuting back and forth to work. So I created this program so it can be online. I also have on Facebook, I also have a free group, a free um, community there called Spiritual Keys to Overcoming Anxiety that people are welcome to join from my Awakening Self um, Facebook page there. They can join my group there and, and get a taste of receiving that support and community. Yes, it doesn't have to be your neighbors or people that come to your house. You know, it, you can create, you know, um, a, a weekly Zoom thing where everybody is there and maybe a different person speaks to something uh, that week and then invites everybody else into the conversation, going to that Facebook uh, with questions. I've read the book. I'm querying about this. I'm querying about that. And again, hearing that other perspective that's going on. It's really, really important. Very, very important that uh, you understand other people's points of view. It's like art. Everybody's going to get a different impression from the art that you see. And when you share it, then you go, oh, I can see the picture in a bigger light. And that's what it's all about. So how do people get the book? Again, what is that Facebook that they sign up to? And what is your website? And my website is Awakening Self, like that capital S self, mm-hmm. dot com. Um, I'm on Facebook at Awakening Self, and the group on Facebook is called Spiritual Keys to Overcoming Anxiety, which is on my Awakening Self um, Facebook page there. And so you can either email me at Connie at AwakeningSelf.com if you want to contact me, or go to my website. I have lots of um, radio shows I've done and mm-hmm. uh, articles and resources, videos there to watch as well. Um, and I post regularly on my Facebook Awakening Self page. Excellent. And then the book, the book is available on Amazon, um, Calm and Confident, Seven Spiritual Keys to Overcoming Anxiety. It, is, it goes live January 17th, and it's available to download on Kindle. Excellent. You know, I just uh, did a show myself um, for this week, and I'm just calling it the, you know, the CCC. And it's like, we've been looking at competitive, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, the cancer, all the negative C's, you know, and now, you know, we're looking at collaborative instead of competitive. Mm -hmm. We're looking at confident, you know, we're looking at um, celebration, you know, we're looking at all those things that are positive. And I think this is something that is important to life is Let's be mindful of the words we use because every word has an energy. And if we start being aware of that, you know, I could change that word to something better. I could change that to something that has a higher energy signature. And in that, you know, you're you're retraining (coughs) your mind, but you're also igniting your heart and soul into it, which is really, really important. So going back to allowing, going back to awareness, Mm -hmm. going back to riding the wave, it's that Again, resistance is futile. Just take a deep breath and go with the flow uh, with the backpack of tools and you'll understand that your journey is absolutely awesome. It doesn't matter even if you trip over a few (laughs) potholes along the way. Excuse me. Mm. No, 
the coughs are out there right now. I've just gone for a bout of bronchitis and it just seems everywhere has something going on at I'm, the moment. I made it through almost the whole show <laughs> yes. without coughing, Sarah. Yeah, you did better than me. I had a couple of coughs through there. I mean, last week I did shows, well, I had no voice. I was this the whole way. <laughs> but the show yeah. was... So we don't have to be perfect to have... No! Um, no. to share and, and no absolutely like not really enforce that with people not enforce yes. that, but bring that out encourage and people. it like, encourage it to so people, yes. and it doesn't have to be perfect yes and you know if you yeah. are in a group and it's like oh uh, you know i haven't got a voice this week that's okay sign language okay. <laughs> write it down yeah. or just that take it in presence yes mm -hmm. just being being listening is a gift yes Oh boy, not enough of that is done. And how can you understand if you don't listen? And it's not listening to respond, it's listening to hear. And, uh, you know, I've recently gone into videos just um, under a year ago. All my other shows for five years was just purely podcasts. And I often used to say people see better when they hear. So, you know, whether you're watching through a video or listening through a podcast, whichever way you take in the information, you know, just allow it to happen, but absorb absorb what's being said to you you can even pause the show digest it go back re-listen move on you know it's whatever way but just participate right mm -hmm. allow wow <laughs> i'm gonna be allowing all day Sarah. yes 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 <laughs> allowing the divine to flow through <laughs> exactly and you know this i have found most especially since i moved here to victoria bc where the energy is very conducive to mine, that um, that word allow has been so invitational. And mm -hmm. I have physically met people and it has just been so wonderfully in sync. You know, people vibrationally in sync, even if maybe we're not all at the same vibrational level, we're all in the same parameters. We're all on the same path moving forward. And when you raise that vibration and you find that synergy, you start finding other people in that okay. same vibration. And there again, there's your orchestra, right? And you may have a few orchestras. You play a different instrument and different orchestra. It doesn't matter. But when mm -hmm. you get together, that harmony of that synergy is just so uplifting. So really encourage people to kind of raise that vibration, place that value upon yourself, discover your beingness, because you will then discover your orchestra or many orchestras and really get playing mm -hmm. and become invitational to other people. So, so much fun. Definitely. Thank you so much, Connie. It's been wonderful having you here. It's been a great blessing, Sarah, being here with you and to all of the viewers and listeners. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to connecting with you. And please do connect with her because this is a wonderful instrument to help you Understand your own instrument, understand your own gift, how to use it, where to take it in life. We all need those tools in our backpack, every single one of us, because it makes our journey easier and helps us get through those waves. And it allows us to step into our beingness. And when you're there, I promise you, you're going to like it. So until next time, folks, bye for now. For more wonderful shows like this, please go to selfdiscoveryradio.com, podcasts and see our lineup. And if you wish to support us, we have a funded button. Please stay tuned for our next show.